what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture. And folks, this is Scripture. I want you to understand this. And we're going to look at three types of worship that God hates and the type of worship that God loves from the Bible. And, and I want you to see this in the text. Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Well, last week we began a new Bible study series with Dr. Shaw on the subject of worship. The Lord has much to say throughout the Bible about how we are to worship Him. Are we worshiping Him the way He wants us to, from the heart? Let's listen as we bring you part one of a message titled, Real Worship About the Heart. And Dr. Shaw tells us about worship that God hates, as well as worship that pleases God. Here's our teacher to read to us from the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 18. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. That's Saul. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered a burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed. The Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, said I, the Philistines will come down now to me, uh, to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue, but the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. We're going to deal with worship now, worship in the heart. Now, here's what happens. Uh, for, those, for those of you that have gotten saved later in life, okay, uh, you get saved later in life, and so you start going to church, and you start worshiping the Lord, and all of this is new, and all of this is fresh, and, and it's exciting, and you're learning the Word of God and all of that. And then there are those of us, I'm one, um, my earliest memories are of the church nursery. I, we never got up, woke up Sunday morning when I was growing up thinking, are we going to church today? I mean, we, that was, and praise the Lord for that. We just, we never did that. I was, it, as I got old enough to go to 
youth activity. It was never a question, okay, am I going to go to this activity or not to this one? I mean, we were always there. Mom and dad, I mean, that was, youth activities were never a form of punishment. Okay? You, you supported your ministry, you supported the church. That was a way of serving the Lord. There were other more effective. That was, that was just the way it was. So what happens is doing ministry becomes part of life. That's one of the dangers, at least that exists in my life, potential. In my life, because ministry and in worship, coming to sing the songs that we have sung, that have sung all my life. I mean, that, you, can, you could just kind of put your brain into neutral and open your mouth and the words would come out. Even the harmonies, right? They just kind of all sort of come out. It's one of the dangers. And it was one of the dangers for the children of Israel. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture. And folks, this is Scripture. I want you to understand this. And we're going to look at three types of worship that God hates and the type of worship that God loves from the Bible. And, and I want you to see this in the text. Now, in, in two of these especially, actually all three circumstances, you can see all of it in every circumstance. We're just going to emphasize certain ones in certain places. But you still can see, see all of it. But So three characteristics of worship. False worship that God hates. And, and by the way, God does hate it. Um, I, I read in 1 Samuel chapter 13 in this, this service. In the first service, I read in Isaiah chapter 1. I just want to read this to you because we, we get the idea that God just loves everything that we bring to him. Here's what, what it says. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. We get the idea the God of heaven is sort of like grandma. You know, you can take whatever picture you draw to grandma and she's going to love it and she's going to put it on her refrigerator. Right? Because that's the way grandmas are. And she's going to look at that picture no matter how far you colored outside of the lines or how terrible it looks. And she's going to say, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? God's not grandma. And that's, that's really important for us to understand. Because he clearly says... Because we assume, we just, and this is, this is the way American Christianity in particular functions. We assume that whatever we bring to him, whatever we like, we can bring to him of whatever we want, and God's going to love it. And that's not the case. It wasn't the case even from the beginning. With Cain and Abel, it was not the case. So let's take a look at three types of worship that God hates. I'll use this one. The first one we'll talk about in 1 Samuel chapter 13 is manipulative worship. So... Here's what's happening. We come to 1 Samuel chapter 13, and Saul is a fairly new king at this point, and he's about ready to go to war, and Samuel is functioning. He's functioning as priest, high priest. He's functioning as priest, and he's also functioning as a prophet, a dual role for Samuel. Now, but, you say, wait a minute, but, but Saul is king. That's part of the problem, isn't it? A false sense of authority. A false sense of, Who's in charge and who gets to make the decisions? See, and this is, one of the, this is one of the problems. We need to be really honest about us as Christians. We are in charge of our own lives. What I think goes, what I like is what is best. It's all about, I sound like a car commercial, it's all about you, you know? 
that's the commercialism of our society. It's, you know, it's, whatever you want, it's all about you, it's all about you. And we create a sense of selfishness. And worship then is used to manipulate. So instead of worship now all being about God, because here Saul, has, he's got these, this situation in which he's about ready to go to war. Samuel has said, wait until I get there and I will offer the sacrifices. Saul waits. His soldiers are starting to leave. He's starting to get worried. He's full of fear. Now, it isn't just fear, it's anger, right? And so then fear and anger and frustration and all those things start to turn to self-justification. And you can see him getting angry. I can't believe it. And Samuel is not here. What is wrong with him? Why is he not here? And so Saul usurps the role of the high priest. He asks for the sacrifices to be brought and he makes the sacrifices. Now, what was he thinking? Well, he was manipulating. He was trying to use sacrifice. But think about this for a moment. Disobedient sacrifice to force the situation to change the circumstances where he was. So worship now, instead of being a tool for acknowledging submission before God, and worship being a tool for honoring and praising God, worship becomes a manipulative tool. Now, you say, wait a minute, can worship be manipulative? Yes, it can be manipulative. And there are two different ways in which worship can be manipulative. We can seek to manipulate God or we can seek to manipulate people. Dr. Shaw will be back to continue our lesson on real worship, which is not about trying to hype up people or sell them on some form of preferred product or God. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw as we bring you a new study today on the subject of worship and a message called Real Worship About the Heart. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. You can link to the church at daretostand.org. Now, here's Dr. Shaw to talk a little about an addiction recovery ministry at his church called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. And if you or a loved one would like more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts, please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church today. And now, let's get back to Pastor Shaw as he recalls a true story about an advertising executive who was a Christian. Here's our teacher. I was reading an article many years ago. I shouldn't say that many. It was a major publication. It was back in those days, back in a different type of advertising environment. There was an advertising executive who was a Christian. He was, he was stationed in the Chicago area. 
And there was a, a group of evangelical pastors that were there for a, were in the Chicago area for a conference. And so this advertising executive took a group of pastors on a tour of downtown Chicago and was talking about the new thing, which is now sort of an out thing, but it was a new thing then. And that was sales as, in other words, you, didn't, you went into a store not to buy a product, but to have an experience. And so they had all of these stores based upon that concept in downtown Chicago. Maybe you folks have been there. Maybe, you know, there was the American Girl Store and the Nike Store and the, you know, and, and it wasn't just you go in the store and there are products on the shelves. They created a whole, almost like a Disneyland environment. They, they did that with restaurants too. Remember that? Anybody remember the, I don't know if it's still around, the Rainforest Cafe, right? You know, so you're supposed to be, it's like you're in a rainforest they didn't sell food because it wasn't very good, but it was the rainforest. It was about the experience. You know what I'm talking about. And so, you know, you're, and that was the idea. We're going to sell an experience rather than a product. And these pastors that are doing this tour with this advertising executive were writing down, taking notes. And he looked at them and he said, well, why are you taking notes? And they said, well, this is really good. We want to take this back to our churches and use it. And he looked at them with shock on his face. And this is what he said. He was the one that was writing the article. This is what he said. But you can't. And they said, well, why not? He said, because it would, it's not real. It would be idolatry. Why don't you think about that? In other words, you're creating an environment that feels to people like something that it is not. It becomes emotionally, mentally even, manipulative. You say, is that a problem in worship today? I think it's a problem. I just Googled two words together. Manipulative worship. Have you ever Googled something? Okay. Manipulative worship. This is the first page. I'll just read some of them. You know, two words. How to avoid emotional manipulation during worship. Number two, confessions of a former worship leader about manipulation and worship. Tricked into worship, the great manipulation debate. Is your worship, I'm reading just straight down the articles, is your worship mere emotional, is your worship leading mere emotional manipulation? What does the Bible say about manipulation? How worship destroyed me from bitterness, how worship music destroyed me from bitterness to blessing. God-centered Christian, emotionally manipulative worship and idolatry. Who turned the lights out? Worship matters. Recognizing the real thing is Christian worship manipulative. You don't think it's a problem? It's a problem. Where we take worship and emotionally manipulate people into something that is not real. Now, Let's, let's talk about this with regard to Saul and this particular situation. Manipulative worship can seek to manipulate two different groups of people. Number one, it can seek to manipulate God in order to manipulate God's behavior. As if Saul could say, well, there's, you know, we're about to go to war and I'm losing people. And so what I need to do, I need to make sure that I get God's blessing. So I'm going to make this. I'm going to disobey God in order to make sacrifices right now in order to get blessing from God. Now, what kind of sense does that make? That doesn't make sense. I'm going to do something that displeases God in order to please Him so that I can have His blessing. Now, we're just looking at the principles here. 
We'll work those down into application a little bit later. So, folks, can I just remind you of something? The God of the universe will never be manipulated by man. You cannot trick him. You cannot guilt him. You cannot browbeat him. You can't sidle up to God and flirt with him and get him to do what you want him to do. The God of the universe will not be manipulated. The second possibility is in order to manipulate the hearts and minds of people. In this particular case, what Saul would be doing then is he's making a sacrifice so it appears to the people like the blessing of God is upon Saul, right? So that the people will remain with Saul and, and believe that there is a relationship between Saul and God and therefore between them and God that doesn't really exist. Do you see where we're going with this? So, in other words, you're creating a false worship environment by giving people a feeling that has no substance. Now, there are different ways in which we can emotionally manipulate. You can emotionally manipulate people by using music hypnotically, repeating the same ideas over and over, same, same verses over and over. Without, now, we're, we go to the point where we're bypassing the brain to go directly to the emotions. Now, you say, well, pastor, you don't believe in worship, that worship should be emotional? Absolutely it should be emotional. If I truly grasp the concepts that we see here in the Word about God and about redemption and about what He has done, if I don't respond emotionally to that, there is something wrong with me. Either I don't understand it or I've some become so hardened to it, there's something wrong with me. So worship... There should be an emotional response and worship to, to who we are and what our redemption is. You're allowed to say amen at that one. Right? But if I bypass your thinking to elicit from you an emotional response separate from the truth, that's manipulation. If I bypass, if, in order to make you feel like you have a relationship with God that you don't have, in spite of your disobedience or my disobedience that you don't have, that's manipulation. And that's dangerous. And God hates it. So you say, well, who are you preaching to, Pastor? Are you preaching to me or are you preaching to you? I'm preaching, well, primarily this would be me. This would be Caleb. This would be us who are up here um, seeking to lead in worship, which means we're trying to be very careful to worship based upon truth and not to create a situation that is false or idolatrous. And this is, this is important. This matters. There are some folks that think, well, you know, you're just an old-fashioned church and you just do these things because, you know, you don't want to change. And that's No, we, we do what we do because we want to make sure that what we're doing is pleasing to God. So manipulated worship. The second is disobedient worship. Now, there's manipulation in this one, but there's also disobedience as well. 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. We're moving forward in Israel's history now. Maybe the, it, it might have been, if you could, 
if you could take a, a day and go back into Israel's history and pick the, high, the spiritual high point in the history of the nation of Israel, the day I might pick is the dedication day of the temple under Solomon. David had prepared all the way and Solomon's early years were good years and they had built the temple and it was this glorious moment in which all these sacrifices were made and the people rejoicing in God and they were just thrilled to finally have a temple and they had a king and it was just like this, this one brief moment of glory. But from that point on it was downhill. Solomon turned to sin and when he turned to sin Eventually, the nation turned to sin with him. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, then damaged the people by putting upon them burdens that even Solomon would not do. And, and so the nation began to twist and turn, and eventually Jeroboam rose up, and the northern kingdom rebelled against the southern kingdom, and the, the nation split. You have the ten northern tribes under Jeroboam now, and the and the the two southern tribes under Rehoboam. And when we come to, to 1 Kings chapter 12, these, these two nations are about to go to war. But God forbids them. Dr. Shaw will be back with more on what happens between the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 930 a.m., Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m., and Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K-12, through at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. Dare to Stand is a listener-supported radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. If you enjoy listening to Dr. Shaw's teaching, please visit our website and find out more about the church. Support Dare to Stand with a tax-deductible donation of any amount on our secure website at daretostand.org. Your donations help to keep Dr. Shaw on the air. We gladly offer free MP3 copies of Dr. Shaw's teaching, and we would be honored to minister to you personally and help you in any way we can. So please call the church at 623-581-3115 today. Join us for Sunday morning services this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening discipleship at 6 p.m. You can also listen to Dare to Stand Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. I'm Celeste Montague. Join us again next time as we continue our study on the subject of worship. And now here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts 
about what was going on in the northern and southern tribes of Israel and Judah. Leaving you on a cliffhanger today, but we'll pick things up right here next time on Dare to Stand. Rehoboam is about to lead the armies of Judah against the armies of Israel, and God tells him no. And here's what he says in verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. So God preserves them from a horrible, bloody civil war. But then Jeroboam starts thinking, and he decides to d- disobey God with the regard to worship. 